Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined by two people with deep experience in the newspaper industry, Rick Holmes and Bob Unger. Rick, who is now retired and living in Vermont, is the former editorial page editor and columnist at the Metro West Daily News. Bob is the former editor and associate publisher of South Coast Media Group, which own the New Bedford Standard Times and is the co-founder of Unger LeBlanc Strategic Communications. Our jumping off point for the discussion is a review Rick wrote for Commonwealth of a book called Ghosting the News. The book was written by Margaret Sullivan, a media columnist at the Washington Post. Ghosting the News, what does that mean, Rick? Uh, well, Bruce, uh, she is telling a, a fairly short and tightly written story of the decline of local news uh, in American newspapers uh, over the last 10, 20 years, uh, something we've witnessed here in, in New England as well. She talks a lot about uh, her former newspaper, the Buffalo News, and what's happened to it over the, new, the years. She visits the um, Vindicator in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, uh, which is one of over 2,000 uh, newspapers that have just bit the dust over the last, uh, over the last decade. And she talks about the, the larger issues that are plaguing the news industry. It's not necessarily a new story, but it's a very important story about what is being lost um, almost without anybody noticing, which is the, the, the quality and the quantity of uh, news coverage at the local level. So Rick, uh, place the, the book in a little context with your old paper, the Metro West Daily News. What, what changes have you seen there? Uh, well, I first came to uh, what was then the Middlesex News in the mid-80s, and business was booming. Um, there was already a, a lot of activity in the newspaper market in eastern Massachusetts. There were a lot of um, a, a generation of owner-operators, local people that had owned, uh, owned and run newspapers for generations, um, were selling out, were getting good prices for their papers, and corporate players were coming in and, and trying to find efficiencies of scale and build networks to better compete with the globe and so on. So there was a lot of moving of pieces, even when the business was booming. And uh, I went through a series that while I was there, we went through about four different owners and different configurations and people trying to, to figure out how to make a money, how to make money on this business. Um, and then the internet came along and kind of blew everything up in terms of the, the financial foundations for local newspapers. We lost our advertising to the internet. We lost a lot of stories uh, produced by, by uh, newspaper reporters, um, got picked up and distributed for free by uh, Google and Facebook and so on. So there have been tons of changes. And uh, each time there was a recession, um, they, the, the newspapers had to cut people. Um, they never, the economy recovered, but the newspapers rarely did. And there has been a gradual uh, withering away over the decades, and especially over the last decade, um, as the, the whole sort of basis for the newspaper economics and, and local news production um, kind of fell apart. So Bob, do the same thing for New Bedford, if you could, and, and talk a little bit about the challenge you're facing down there right now. 
I arrived in New Bedford in 2005 to uh, a staff of 56 full-timers and a dozen part-timers and a pretty generous correspondent budget. Um, and uh, you know, the same forces that uh, were uh, at work on the paper in Middlesex were, were certainly at work in New Bedford as well. In fact, Rick and I were, were part of uh, uh, the same group um, uh, for most of uh, my tenure in, in New Bedford. Uh, today, uh, the New Bedford paper, which is the Standard Times, um, it has a handful of reporters, two or three, um, and turnover, of course, is, is rampant. Um, the the uh, experience level of, uh, of new reporters who can come to papers like uh, the Standard Times in New Bedford, which um, serves a, you know, a region of a couple of hundred thousand people, you know, they're, they're green, um, just out of school, often with no experience and uh, lacking the resources to cover a a dynamic uh, city with uh, challenging economic pressures, social issues, and so on. And there's real frustration uh, down here that uh, um, with I think the news coverage that uh, they're presenting with a diminished uh, uh, news organization like that. Um, and I know that uh, there are fears that uh, the, the South Coast uh, could become um, in a sort of a news desert, which um, is happening elsewhere across the country. Rick, uh, let me read you a, a paragraph from uh, your farewell column at the um, Metro West Daily News. And it ta it's talking about the value of the local paper. And, and you say, the local paper introduces us to our neighbors. It's a mirror through which communities see themselves. It expresses and reflects community values. It establishes the facts on which public debates are based. In its pages, the community defines itself, argues with itself, sets its priorities, and most of the time finds consensus. Is that happening today, Rick? Um, not very well, um, but there are two problems. Uh, one is that people in the communities aren't reading their newspaper. So if it was doing all those things, they might not be aware of it. Uh, the second is there's not much in the newspaper anymore that, that the, you know, news is a labor intensive industry. If you don't have a reporter that goes down to the uh, police station and collects reports, you're not going to have police news. If you don't have somebody that you can send to a meeting of the school committee or the, or the city council, uh, you're not going to have any news come out of that meeting. The community is not going to know what's going on. Um, but I think as you, as I was referring to in that, in that piece, um, the intangibles are even more important. Um, we have communities that really don't separate themselves from each other, don't distinguish themselves from each other anymore. Um, and that's a, that's a, a terrible loss. You've got a place like, you know, New Bedford and in Framingham uh, where I worked, um, they're distinct places. They have their own character, their own identities, their own issues. Um, and yet, when all we're doing is getting our news from social media or the local TV stations, um, all those differences get lost. And there's something uh, irreplaceable about losing that sense of identity and, and common purpose. And so, um, Bob, you're welcome to enter in on this too, but it seems like looking at a lot of these papers that are now owned by the giant Gannett chain, even the editorials are often 
written by you know some national perspective it's not that local perspective that when when you guys were at the papers that's what that's what was being produced would you agree bob yeah that, I, the newspaper you know uh in my experience was was there to lead the community um, by by helping to you know set the agenda around important issues and i think about some of the things that you know that we were able to do uh, that that can't be done now for instance um new bedford um had one of the worst uh rates of uh childhood uh, uh dental disease um you know in in north america and um you know we assigned reporters to you know to to cover that issue we led you know with on the uh, editorial pages we pushed for uh, referendum on fluoridation. Everybody said it couldn't happen, but over a period of six months of investigation and and strong editorial positions, you know, the, the referendum passed, and you know, hundreds, thousands of children, um, you know, are beneficiaries of that. New Bedford schools were, um, you know, among the uh, uh, worst in the Commonwealth, and uh, we did a six-month-long investigation, you know, building better schools. We sent reporters around the country, looking at uh, urban school systems that had managed to turn around came back with, uh, you know, a, a, a blueprint, you know, for, for change. Um, the current mayor of New Bedford, uh, John Mitchell, uh, a strong advocate of community journalism, um, put his authority and his influence behind the school reform movement and New Bedford is, you know, is the better for it. Today, you couldn't begin to do that stuff. And as a result, there is no marshalling of overall consensus, because as Rick said, you know, fewer people are, are valuing the paper, buying the paper, um, part because they're used to getting things for free online, but also because they think that they view the newspapers as having less relevance in their lives than they once did. And they're right. When you, when you talk, Bruce, about the, um, the national editorials, um, I was the one that was probably one of the last people in the now Gannett chain in New England that was actually writing editorials and they'd be picked up by Bob's paper and a hundred other weeklies uh, in the Commonwealth. Um, there was no way I was gonna write about uh, the state of the schools in New Bedford. I had to look for a, a statewide issue that could, that could resonate and be, be appropriately used by all those publications. Um, I left and I was not replaced. Uh, I don't believe Gannett has any editorial page editors anymore, even the Providence Journal no longer has an editorial page editor. So how is a, how is a, a paper like that, the most important uh, media presence in the state, um, gonna exercise any leadership if they don't have anybody to research those topics and write about them and provide that leadership in the, in the pages of the paper? It's a, it's a tremendous loss. You know, it, it, a lot of people might dismiss this as three old newspaper guys sitting around lamenting right. the passing of the day. But uh, Bob, down in New Bedford, I've talked to the mayor down there in the past, and this is, the mayor is concerned about it. Uh, I don't know if you've talked with this about it, with him about this, but um, what's his concern? Do you, do you get a sense that politicians are worried about this? I, I, I can't tell you if all politicians are worried about it. Some of them uh, you know, probably are glad for the lack of oversight, but I can tell you in New Bedford, um, 
you know, a lot of the leadership, political leadership, business leadership, and so on, are very concerned um, because they know that, uh, you know, a community's identity, um, you know, its sense of itself, uh, of common enterprise and so on, is built by shared information, shared perspective, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, Mayor Mitchell down in New Bedford has been, I think, a leading voice for um, improving uh, local news coverage and uh, um, I've had yes, I've had several conversations with uh, with him and with others about this. And there are people in the community that are you know exploring uh, you know avenues for for doing that. From you know the first and probably um, you know most desirable for for everyone would be to get the existing ownership, the uh, Gannett Gatehouse uh, Group, to uh, uh, to do a better job, to uh, you know hire more reporters, to uh, um, to again um, lead the community on its editorial pages and do all the other things that newspapers do, from being a community bulletin board covering local sports and um, you know and, and the political environment, and uh, you know people are are concerned that that's uh, that's not happening. In a previous lifetime, I was the editor um, in the um, mid '80s to about 1990 out in Holyoke, and uh, that's a paper that lost, that's a city that's lost its, uh, its uh, daily newspaper, the, which was called the Transcript Telegram. And as a result of that loss, I think it's clear that Holyoke has lost some of its, uh, its identity and today is increasingly uh, a North Springfield suburb as opposed to uh, an independent, you know, freestanding city that makes its own decisions and identifies uh, uh, as such. Rick, uh, do you see, I guess we've all heard these arguments before and it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as newspapers cut back, people read them less, so on and so on and so on and so on. What's the answer? Uh, is there an answer to this problem? Well, we see a lot of things being tried and some, some successfully, uh, but I don't know that there's one answer. Um, some, some uh, we have nonprofits. Uh, who have who have come in to to fill the void that particularly works I think as as um, statewide Commonwealth itself is is uh, filling some of the uh, the void that was left by by newspaper reporters sort of evacuating the state house uh, the press room at the state house has plenty of empty desks now because uh, what used to be a very crowded uh, high energy place is now almost deserted um, so we we see nonprofits come in. Uh, we see communities that are doing what they can with um, with Facebook and social media. That comes with problems. But um, I know in my little community up in Vermont, um, that's how we find out what's going on. We've got to go to a Facebook page. And we don't know exactly whether that's what's going on, but it gives us something. Um, we have, um, you know, in the major markets, uh, we have billionaires coming in and buying newspapers and investing in, in journalism. And, and that's a good thing for those places. Uh, so it's it's all still shaking out, and I I don't think we know um, what's going to take the place of uh, of the daily newspaper. Bob, you've been doing some research on this at, down in New Bedford, I think. What what do you think is the answer? Um, I'm not sure that there's any single answer that will work in all markets. If you're fortunate enough, um, you know, to live out in the uh, uh, Berkshire Eagles market out in Pittsfield, you know, you've had a group of, of uh, well-heeled investors with deep ties uh, to the Berkshire region who have, uh, you know, ponied up 
um, the money and invested, uh, um, you know, in that newspaper, um, you know, where they have, you know, more than 50 uh, people in their newsroom, and they, you know, they cover that community and they cover uh, Western Massachusetts extremely well. But that's obviously not something which is is going to work uh, everywhere. There are, um, you know, in, investment groups which have done uh, you know, almost crowdsourcing that have created nonprofit arms for people to make donations. And uh, you know, there is, you know, there are there are people now who are considering whether or not um, you know, public money. Uh, uh, should uh, you know be invested in in maintaining news organizations to serve um, you know underserved uh, regions of the state. Uh, Rick, in your review, you you mentioned that public money is being bandied about as a possibility, uh, but you sort of say that's a, a sign of the desperation. What do you think about public money going into uh, journalism? Uh, well, up until very recently, uh, we would have thought that idea absurd. Um, newspapers don't like being involved with, uh, don't like being dependent on politicians. Um, it may be a, uh, one of those things that's a, a bad idea whose time has come, um, but I'd like to see a lot of the details. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but hey, let's have that discussion. All right. I wanted to thank both Rick Holmes and Bob Unger for joining us today. And I urge everybody to read Rick's uh, review of the book and we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>